love making this podcast and we would love to have it supported by a listener like you. So uh, go ahead, click the link in our show notes and join the awesome empire. Welcome to Awesome with Allison and Eric Tua. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Thank you. I felt really good about it. I'm Allison, and our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen, whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful. We hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, the sexy, the talented, my husband and your horse, Mr. Eric Robertson. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Both of us sound really cute today. We're coming off the end of a cold. Eric screamed like a maniac last night. Where were you screaming? At the Utah Jazz game. Eric did the music for the season opener. So it was really exciting that we got to be there in person. We had really awesome tickets. I mean, it's really the only way I want to enjoy sports. That's true. Whenever I took you to upper bowl games, you acted too cool for school. No, it's... Nosebleeds, you know? It's because... (laughs) No, you did. No, I didn't act too cool. It's because I was unhappy being there. <laughs> I don't want to go to the game unless I'm closer. I I'm not that interested in the game in general. I'm interested in all the people and all of the fanfare. And so being all the way back there, I'm just like more removed from it all. Yeah. Well, put me in the center of it all. She wants to be down on the floor. <laughs> Get her on the floor, Jazz. This is episode 163, How to Enjoy Your Life Even When You Feel Unfulfilled. In your work. Speaking of work, I'm about to do the work, 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 work. Okay, you can work from home. I'm singing Fifth Harmony for anybody who wasn't sure what that was. So this is the second installment of our How to Enjoy Your Life Even When series. And in this multi-part series, we are exploring enjoying life even when it's not everything you thought it was going to be. And last week's episode was really great. It was how to enjoy your life even when things don't go how you thought they would, which I thought that was a good one to start with because that's kind of like the over-encompassing theme. Correct. And with this week, we really wanted to get specific into, okay, like let's start like breaking this down. Let's pinpoint areas of life that are common complaints, pain points, or concerns for people. And for us. Well, yeah, exactly. And for us. And let's explore these. What's really interesting is how to enjoy your life even when you don't feel fulfilled by your work, or that could mean when you have a lack of work, when you don't feel gratified or appreciated in your work, or you don't feel like you're doing meaningful work, whatever, whichever place the dissatisfaction comes from. This is what we're focusing on. We thought this was particularly interesting because both Eric and I have felt this recently. We also both have dream jobs. 
right? Yeah, totally. Like, you did the season opener for the Jazz last night. Yeah. Um, I, you know, when they do my intro for things, they say, this is Allison Faulkner. She's made a career doing whatever she feels like doing, you know, professional nonsense dancer, podcaster. These, these are things that you and I have really placed a lot of value and focus on creating these careers that use our skills and talents, contribute to society, and would be fulfilling. Yes. Is you and is it fulfilling all of like is it fulfilling? No. <laughs> right? I know. And th- and then I feel bad because I have other people who are like, oh I wish I wish I could just do your job. I wish I could just do that. And not that that needs to put any pressure on me at all, but I take that into account and feel like, yeah, I should, I should never feel bad. Other people want to do this. And I will feel so much shame because I'm over here toiling in my existential weeds as I like to do. And then I'll go through a drive through line or be at a gas station and there's somebody freaking working their butt off, literally manual, physical labor, you know, dealing with all sorts of people. And I'm like, how, like, why am I such a princess? Like, I can't even do this totally cush job. And there are people out there like grinding and toiling away. And I'm so grateful that I I get to do the work that I get to do. But herein lies, (laughs) herein lies the problem with comparison. Okay, sometimes it, it would be really nice to have like a simple, direct job that like, I don't have to decide the direction of each day. That that would be... It sounds nice sometimes. That sounds nice, like, for a minute. The flip side is, I don't like when people tell me what to do. So do I really want... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I feel rebellious against it. So do I really want that? Yeah, if you're in that job, you'd want your freedom. Yes, exactly. And so we thought that this would be a really interesting conversation. And the funny thing is, is we had to have a couple of clarifying conversations before we could even come to the podcast. Because we were both kind of approaching it from a different mindset and headset. So Eric and I needed to have a few in-depth conversations so we could really get to the bottom of what it is we wanted to share, what what it is we wanted to explore with you guys. Where we landed is, is, you know, Eric was a little more micro. Okay, like, how do we actually take action on this? How do you find more fulfillment? And I was going very macro, where I'm like, no, we need to examine why we're expecting to find all this fulfillment from work. We need to examine what fulfillment is. And so (laughs) taking my intensity and Eric's practicality and bringing those together to come up with what we think can be really beneficial and helpful for you guys so that you can enjoy your life even when you don't feel fulfilled by the work you're doing. We have all been lied to. Yeah, we have. We've been told that our dream job will bring us fulfillment and happiness That finding that dream job will solve your problems because you'll feel good about yourself and everything else will fall into place. And it's just not true. It's not true. And we say that as people who are privileged, lucky, and have worked in a way in which it has happened to work out for us that we have our dream jobs. (laughs) And there's so much evidence, not only in your own life, if you think about it in my life, I have my my own evidence, but the empirical evidence evidence of watching all these people keep switching jobs, keep finding the next thing, holding out until they find the perfect job. Or rock stars, celebrities, people who have these jobs that are really idolized and worshipped in our society um, and our culture and they're very, very unhappy. So 
this is this is what I've been thinking about. I've been having a lot of conversations lately with different types of people, but the conversation will stem either this way or that way. And the one way is it's the business owner. So I'm friends with a lot of entrepreneurs, work with a lot of business owners, and they are having a lot of turnover, a lot of figuring out how to move forward in the current economy. You know, what does our business model look like now? Things have shifted and changed so much. So there's that conversation. And then I've had multiple conversations with the people who are on the marketing team or work the job. They're the laborer in this sense. They are saying it's so crazy, like the whole department up and quit. Or over the last three months, you know, 14 people have left and we're just like rearranging the business. So essentially what I'm hearing from all sides, everything's shifting and changing. And this is where Allison wants to just like pull out her soapbox. So if you will let me for a moment, like allow me to pull my soapbox out and get up on it for a second. We went through a collective worldwide trauma in 2020. What that does is it unearths all of the unfulfillment, all of the things that are unsettling, the hard, harsh realities, the healing that needs to happen. That's what that trauma did. Now, I have noticed this as a Pollyanna kind of (laughs) through trauma where there is a very real phase when something absolutely very difficult happens and there's a tendency to say, it's good. It's, you know, people have it worse. Uh, Rainbows, uh, unicorns. I'm going to, it's, you know, people have it worse. I'm going to be grateful. Here's all the good things. So this was totally something that happened after I got hit by a car. Like right after being hit, I'm in the hospital and I'm like, it's it's cool. It's no big deal. I was hit. I'm bleeding. There was an ambulance. We're going to be good. It's chill. Everybody, it's good. Everybody calm down. It's going to be fine. I believe that it is just a beautiful thing within us where it's like, yeah, like we are looking to be optimistic and to see the good in in the situation and the trauma. But it also serves kind of as like a protection because when your body is in shock and you're bleeding from your head, does it serve me to start freaking the freak out about how terrible life is going to be? No, it, it doesn't. It, it does help me in that moment to have some hope, have some faith and stay calm. However, after kind of the, you know, active trauma care uh, triage, that's the word I'm looking for, triage, right? Where you're like bandaging the wound and you're like stopping the bleeding comes a point when you are sitting with the blood and the pain and the throbbing headache and the lost income and you're like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> this was this was really difficult. Or maybe, you know, you go through a breakup or you lose someone and there's just these moments where the grief just hits. It just slaps. <laughs> and I am noticing, again, super biased, unofficial, Allison on a soapbox. There is this collective we were going, we made it through the pandemic and the world's changing and everyone loves working from home. Now all the studies are coming back saying that working from home actually isn't working for anybody and there's a labor shortage and the economy is going in this direction and that. I am shocked by the amount of people who 
just don't acknowledge like not one of the conversations that I had with the business owners or the people working at the businesses said, yeah, it's just kind of different after COVID. It's like we've just deleted the thing. And that that's what you do with trauma. You delete it. You you press it down. You push it to the side and you're like, no, I, I'm master of my domain. I'm controller of this ship and I'm going to steer it this way. Now, that is true. However, I believe if we don't collectively go, this is changing. This is crazy. This is different. We are working in a reality where we don't want to accept. And it is so difficult and an uphill, very, um, just an exhausting battle to move through life operating from a reality that you don't want to accept. And I don't say accept like, oh, like I'm going to blame, you know, the world changing on me feeling unfulfilled with work. No, but I think acceptance as in this has been a really difficult time. Things are really shifting. There's a lot of unknown. We are coming off of an era where the entrepreneur has been worshipped. The entrepreneur has been held up in the highest regard and esteem. Social media Everyone I know in the social media industry is losing their mind. They're they're doing one of two things. They're acting like everything's okay and like they know what the new trends are going to be. <laughs> or they're walking around going, I'm not getting the impressions. I'm not getting the reach. Like nothing is working how it used to work. So I right now am doing a read along live and it's not too late to join. We're reading my book, You're Already Awesome. And we had our first live discussion. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But we had our first live discussion this week. And I went on this soapbox a little bit and I said, hey, this is a soapbox. I keep jumping on. Will you guys tell me like in other industries, if you're in an industry that is in no way related to me, are you seeing this? And every person was like, yes, we are seeing this. This woman was like, I work in construction. We don't know the builds they're going to go out after COVID. It's this like it affects and has affected every industry in so many ways. Even being at the jazz game last night, the jazz franchise as a basketball team has shifted. Ownership has changed. Lots of things have changed, which affects the players, which affects the game, which affects the marketing. These, (laughs) it's just like me being hit by a car. There was no way it wasn't going to affect all of the parts of my life. But in that moment, thinking of all the ways it was going to affect me and thinking of all the ways that it could be difficult, that's overwhelming. So you're saying that we went through a collective trauma. Yes. And now- And nobody wants to talk about it and anymore. Now, and we've been told repeatedly, you know, like, become an entrepreneur, get your dream job, you will be fulfilled. So now now we're searching to be fulfilled. We're not feeling it. So we're, we're kind of scattering. We're not addressing the real issue, but we're, we're seeking for fulfillment in these different places. You, you mentioned there's kind of two camps, macro camps. There's the people who- look for fulfillment in their employment. Okay, so yeah, this is what I was saying to Eric is I've also noticed that there are people who look for fulfillment in their job, in their work, in their contribution. And there are people who find fulfillment in relationships. I'm not saying that because you find fulfillment in your contribution into your work, you don't find fulfillment in your relationships. I'm saying that you probably have a tendency to value one over the other. Over the other. So for example, I in the past have valued accomplishment, achievement, 
working, my job, that's what I value. I, I love my husband. I love my children. I care about my friends. I want to serve the community. I want to do work that makes an impact. But at the end of the day, my sense of identity and self and kind of like accomplishment and that sense of accomplishment bleeding into I feel okay. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm secure. I've proven myself. I've proven the things to the people. I'm going to be okay. That has stemmed from what I make, create, achieve, or do. That's where you search for fulfillment. That's where I've searched for fulfillment. Now, Eric, on the other hand, very driven, very much cares about his career, but gets very much affected when like by my moods, he wants me to be feeling okay. He, you know, he's worried about the kids feeling okay. He's a, he's a relationships oriented person. And so I think this could be a really helpful thing to think about if you and your partner or a friend or your family member, you just kind of like don't land in the same thought process on things is maybe ask yourself like, oh, you know what? I really, really value and put a lot of stock in this and they really value and put a lot of stock in this other thing. And as I was thinking about that, the different places we go to to find fulfillment. So this episode is how to enjoy your life. So that's the thesis. That's what we want to return to, okay? How to enjoy your life. The question, the difficulty that is being proposed is, but what about when you don't feel satisfied or fulfilled by your work? How do you enjoy your life then? So then that was the question that Eric and I really needed to explore is, okay, so first let's ex- let's examine where are you looking for this fulfillment? Obviously in this episode, we're talking about achievement and job and work, but maybe you've spent a lot of your life focusing on relationships, focusing on raising kids, focusing on making sure your partner's good and taken care of and because you're a really relationships-oriented person, there is still a day that will come that is happening to a lot of people that I know personally where you wake up and you go, wait a second, I spent all this time pouring into these relationships. What about my dreams and what I'm gonna accomplish? And then you feel unfulfilled because you've spent all this time pouring into other people's accomplishments rather than your own. Now, there's a lot of facets to this, but I think one of the huge things with that that I want to recognize is, as Eric said before, the lie. It's because we've been fed the lie. So there's people who believed, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have these babies. I'm going to take care of the babies. I'm going to support my husband. And then they're like, wait, what am I doing now? They are in a society and in a culture where accomplishment and achievement is still being worshipped and idolized. So even though you've poured into people, you've raised children, you've given such beauty and such important gifts, such important work to the world, you might not be able to see it as such because the messaging and the conditioning of you, the the world or your environment might make it really hard to see and appreciate. I love this. And this morning we were talking about how how important it is to identify what you value. Like where are you find where are you trying to find your fulfillment? Two things that happened to me is I realized that fulfillment and happiness are very much the same to me. And when when you search for happiness, it will elude you every time. You can't actually like achieve happiness. You can't do it. It's a paradox because you want happiness, you want to do it, so you search for it, but you can't. It, you, it's not something you come to. It's something that is inherent. 
It's a byproduct more than a destination. Exactly. That's so true. And that's the same thing with fulfillment in your work. If you're working and working and someday I'm going to get this thing, someday you're never going to get there. It has to be inherent. And so I was thinking about, well, how can I make it inherent? So you're saying you're working towards something, something meaning fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to be be fulfilled in my work. And I was thinking like, well, why don't I feel it? Because I'm doing my best. I'm doing great work. And then I realized that we, we talked about identifying. I identify as a composer. I identify as a musician. I identify as an entrepreneur. And when I thought that, it got really heavy on me. I felt this burden that like I put all these weights on me that I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And then I just thought, I know that identifying with things are burdens. It causes suffering when you identify with things. That's my ego. And we were chatting and Allison was talking and I was listening, but I, I'll admit my mind drifted off. <laughs> and I and I. De-identified, and that's not a real word, but I'm making it one. Yeah, let's do it. De- I de-identified with those things, and, and visually in my mind, I dropped everything. And I felt this huge lift in me. Like, I felt weightless. We were driving in the car. I mean, my physical surroundings did not change, but I had a very physical re- and emotional reaction to this thought. I de-identified with my career. and With ho- your work. With my work. And holy crap, did I feel so much better. I felt like my true self could now shine. Like I didn't have to like act through this filter. I didn't have to act through my work. You know, I didn't have like this core set of rules that come with my career, my work, like that did not exist anymore. And I felt more free. It was incredible. And that just to me, once again, tells me that when we identify with things, we tend to dig deeper into them to find that fulfillment. Yes. And so deeper and that is the that that is impossible. Literally, you cannot find fulfillment by trying to dig deeper through your identity to get there. I hope that doesn't. I hope that makes sense to no, me. It's, that it's makes, clear as day. It to makes me. perfect sense because if I value myself as a speaker and a podcaster and a teacher and a writer, those things aren't going great. Then my value, my identity of myself. I don't feel fulfilled. I feel like a failure, right? To bring up the earlier example that sometimes we place, you know, depending on your tendencies to place a lot of value or stock in relationships, that's because they, just like the job is being identified with as self, the relationships are being identified with as self. And we're doing this not because we're idiots and not because we're stupid, but because these are human tendencies. We need connection. They're important to us. We need contribution. We need to do those things to feel like hierarchy of needs. Like we need these things. However, when we start to identify with them and put our value on them, that's when the suffering is increased. That's when the pressure for the job to be fulfilling or the relationship to be fulfilling or the friendship to give you everything you thought a friendship could or the partner you thought could give you everything you never had. That's when they become unequally or like disproportionately weighted. So if you think about like holding like a yoke over your shoulders, I'm reading about an assassin who's in training. So this visual comes to me. It's very like Kill Bill, but like putting that stick over the shoulders with the buckets of water on it. And it's like if I put all of the water in one bucket, it's not going to be able to balance on my shoulders. 
And I really like that visual, actually, because as I was talking to Eric, I was like, okay, so we get fulfillment through relationships. We can get fulfillment through contribution, achievement, or what we're calling work. But true fulfillment is independent of those things, just like true happiness is independent of those things. And so then the question can become, how am I feeding that? I'm so obsessed. We, we've been having so much fun reaching out to people to get their input. And I just knew Richie Norton would have the perfect thing to say. So I grew up with Richie. He lived like in a neighboring high school. I was friends with his younger sister. He is a best-selling author, a consultant, a CEO, entrepreneur. Richie's the best in all the ways. I love his wife, Natalie, as well. You you grew up with Natalie. Yeah, same neighborhood. That is so funny. So Eric grew up with Natalie. I grew up with Richie. And I just say this because Richie was him and his friends. They were older than me. And like we all had the biggest crushes on them. And they were in this like punk band. And we just loved, loved them. So I get a big kick out of whenever I work with Richie because I'm like... 13, 14, 15 year old Allison is like dying, right? <laughs> um, so we reached out to Richie and the way that he gives us some insight and talks about values and building the sweetness into life with work, I feel like he explains it just ooh, so, so beautifully. So let's let's hop over to Richie's beautiful thoughts. Oh, hey, what's up? This is Richie Norton, best-selling author of The Power of Starting Something Stupid and Anti-Time Management. You know, I have a confession to make. I don't always like everything that I I do. Even though I've designed my life in a way to try and do everything that I like and want to do, the only way to be able to design your life to do the things you like and want to do <laughs> is by understanding what you're good at that you don't like doing. Oh, it's a crazy thing. But let me tell you this, just, just real quick. Listen, 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 listen. Life's insane. And I am totally okay binging the latest K-drama with my wife, Natalie, it's our, it's our favorite thing to do, and we feel no guilt <laughs> about it. We're totally okay hanging out and taking our time, because there's something you have to understand. In our lives, finding joy, either in work or in life, we're finding joy in work when our life is hard, and finding joy in our life when work is hard, is not necessarily a science, even though people might tell you to take more vitamin D3 and things like that. <laughs> it's an art. You know, we have a son that passed away. My wife's brother passed away at, at 21 years old. We've had three foster kids come and go, which brought us so much like love when they were with us and it wrecked us when they left. We, you know, my, my wife, Natalie, she had, a, she had a stroke and lost her memory. It came back like she's, she's good. I, we have a son that got hit by a car when he was hit. He was unrecognizable by people who knew him. It was that bad. He's okay now. Things are good. He looks at the world like he he beat the car <laughs> instead of the car having run him over. Life's crazy. There's, there's three things I want you to understand. There's looking back. There's connect the dots. We know that between the things that have happened, what we're doing, and looking for where we want to go. There's something that comes before it and something that comes after it. First, we spend our time collecting dots, the things we see, the things we like, 
a million tabs open <laughs> on our phone and our computer, all the emails we collect. Then we connect the dots from the things we're trying to do or the meaning we're trying to make. And then we correct the dots. If we're not in alignment with what we want, we change. So if you bake a cake without sugar, you can't expect it to be sweet. Unless you're doing some kind of keto thing or something like that. <laughs> I get it, I get it, I get it. The idea is, if you're trying to create a life where you are timing your values instead of valuing your time, that's like baking a cake without sugar and expecting it to be sweet. How can you expect your life to be lived on a value if you're waiting till your mortgage is paid off or your kids are out of the house or you have more time or you have more education or you have more experience? How can you expect to have a life that is sweet if you've never included the sweetness in from the beginning? You want to live from your values, not endlessly toward it. Live from the job of the goal, the dream. The job of your dreams is to set you free. <laughs> Don't turn your dreams into jobs. So as far as collecting, connecting, and correcting the dots, if you found yourself in a position where Work is drudgery, but you want to find joy in your life. You won't find it in you won't find joy in doing more work. Because the joy isn't necessarily at the end of the work. It must be included throughout the day. And it might not be work that you're doing. It's the fun things that you're doing. Oh, I don't have time for that, really? No one's more productive than a procrastinator with an impending deadline. When you decidedly say, I am this person that does the things that I like and want to do, you inherently crowd out distractions. You find ways to get your work done in a more effective, efficient, and effectual way. And then you're able to create more experiences from the joyful living by creating sort of a castle your dreams, and then your work, whether you like it or not, it's better if you like it, but even if you don't, supports or protects your castle as an economic and strategic moat for you to continue. So moving forward, decide who you want to be and you'll know what to do. And when you do that, you'll have something to look forward to. All right, guys, have fun. Peace. He's so fun. He's, if, I, if I didn't, he's the best. Do you know, in my mind, it, I know what he looks like, but when he laughs and he's like that joyful kind of surfer guy, I always think of like Cody from Step by Step. You know oh, what I'm talking about? Oh, that is the best. Just the coolest, mm -hmm. easiest going, like nothing can get him down. <laughs> so you definitely want to get his book. Both of his books are incredible. His new book is Anti-Time Management and follow him on Instagram because one, you got to see what he looks like because he, he lives in Hawaii and there's, I love the videos of him walking on the beach, just like breaking it down for you. He's a stud. Yeah. So Richie, R-I-C-H-I-E underscore Norton, N-O-R-T-O-N. Thank 
Thank you so much, Richie. Do you know what I love about Richie? Is he's so full of joy that he, you know, he's living what he says. There's a lot of people that will preach stuff and like, yeah. like this, it's, you know, if there's a common thought of the day, like jump on the bandwagon and preach, but he is so joyful and so full of love that he truly is like packing his life full of sweetness now. Like he's not waiting to to achieve the sweetness. It's well, sweet now. And I appreciate Richie so much. Thank you for sharing with our audience like some of the really hard stuff that him and Natalie have been through. I remember when their son got hit, he was hit by an SUV. And I remember them being in the hospital and you know, when you've gone through something similar, it it like it hits ha <laughs> in a different way. That is just like such a minuscule part of the rough stuff that their family has been through. Both Natalie and Richie have just been incredible examples of just like Richie said, baking that sweetness into life, knowing what the sweetness is and, and, and bringing it into life, not thinking, you know, not chasing the sweetness, but finding it. I love how he talks about like you're you start collecting the dots. I think that that is like such a great exercise. If you can't think of what sounds sweet right now, you know, just start collecting, just start collecting information. That's, that's like observing would be like observing, right? Absolutely. Like unbiased observing. Yes. So I said to Eric, I was working with my friend. Her name's Mel. She's a very talented florist. And we were doing some business coaching and I was talking to her and then we pulled a a card from an Oracle deck. And the card said what it was talking about passion and what would fuel your passion and said, what sounds incredible to you right now? And Mal, top of her head, tip of her tongue, knew. She said, oh, road trips. I love a road trip. I'd love to take a solo road trip. And it is a very different experience for me to be in this position. But the position is I, I can't think of a single thing. I can't, I can't think of a single thing. That's just like a, that's a very different place for me. Like when people have come to me in the past and said, I need more motivation or I feel unfulfilled or I don't know what I want to do. Like I got it because I get depression, I get anxiety, but like the not taking action part, like I used action and achievement as my balm to cure everything. And so all of my action, like being in a place where I'm like, I'm not taking action. That was something that I just, I'm, I'm not quite as used to. But with my book coming out, coming off of essentially bed rest and being sick and being out of society and interacting and then having this life dream fulfilled It's been a pretty surreal experience because the dream of all dreams, the destination of all destinations is here and I still don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And so Eric and I got into a pretty heavy, heated chit chat about goals (laughs) The goal of writing the book, like if it was all about the book and it's all about the book when the book is written, then like, what is it? And he's like, well, how do you grow if you're not setting goals? And where we landed, where we agreed is that it is about movement and action. And so right now, because I can't tell you off the top of the he- my head what is going to like be the thing that lights me up or is going to be the thing that like helps me feel more fulfilled. I can tell you that I have been in a place for like the last while where I've been immobilized by fear 
in a few ways. I'm taking the actions that I feel okay taking. I mean, I'm launching a book, but other aspects have still felt a little stagnant. And it's really funny because I went to get my hair done and I was like, cut, just cut all of the broken, dead bottom, just cut it all off. And I was like, let's move the energy. Let's move the energy. And like cutting my hair, I was like, okay, cut it off, move the energy. I woke up the next day. I'm like, move the energy. I'm going to go to a, a group fitness class because I keep thinking I need a workout or I need to exercise, but maybe what I actually, which is achievement, maybe what I actually need is somebody to hang out with, right? While I exercise. So I go to this group fitness class. I've been sick ever since, but I'm going to go back, <laughs> which is interesting. You guys have heard me on the podcast talking about that. Like Eric ran the half marathon. I signed up for the marathon. I, I wasn't able to train for it or run it. So that's where goals, I think, can be, you know... I don't want to say detrimental, but I feel like they can be distracting. If if they are the end, if yes. you think by achieving a goal you'll be fulfilled, yes, they are wrong. But you can use goals to move yourself, yes, to improve yourself. You can yes. use them as tools. They are not the end, and that's where we yes we agree on that. We do. We we got there. We it got took a there. minute, but we got there. And with that in mind, yes, I love a takeaway, and so do you. Oh so, yeah. So we've, we've established you're not going to be more fulfilled by doing more work or changing your work. You might be happier. You might you might make more money. You know, these things yeah. might happen. But the inherent fulfillment comes in the doing, how you do it, not what you are doing, right? Yes. Eckhart Tolle says, We love Eckhart. There's three modalities of awakened doing. If you're not in one of these three modalities, then you are suffering. You can agree with this or not, but let me tell you the three modalities one more time. The lowest is acceptance. You might not like your job. You might you might think it's drudgery. But if you accept it, that it's necessary and it's moving you somewhere, then you are conscious, right? So you now are involved. You're, you're, you are opening the door to some inherent fulfillment, if, even just accepting something. And also, like I was talking about COVID and we're in this difficult time where people don't really know what's going on and there's not any concrete way forward. That's what I'm talking about. I'm like, we all think quitting our jobs and changing and yeah, moving across dramatic, the country. Dramatic there's things. a lot of there's dramatic. No, there's no acceptance. Yes, there's no acceptance. Okay, so when you're doing, this is this is how to find. I'm not saying fulfillment. that nobody has it. I'm saying the majority of people that I've been talking to or observing, I'm like, they think moving across the country is going to change everything. <laughs> it might. So to open the doors to fulfillment. I cut my hair. Um, acceptance. The second one is higher up the ladder. It's enjoyment. So this is where peace can come in, aliveness. When you surrender your action to something, enjoyment, you enjoy it, right? Okay, so I love this. Let's have these be the three takeaways yeah. for how to enjoy your life, even when you're unfulfilled by your work. And let's have that first takeaway be showing up with acceptance. Accept your, accept, okay. your, accept that you identify with something. Accept yeah. this, like accept the truth about you. And do you want to, do you guys want to know the truth? Do you really want to know the truth about me? Let me give it to you straight. Okay. I love talking about my book. It is this, it is about de-identifying. You're already awesome. That's the core of it. When I do the read along, when I write my emails, when I do this podcast, I feel gloriously fulfilled. It's in between that I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, it's in between that I am still learning how to create a full, balanced life. I got up this morning. I was doing some dishes. I was petting our cats. 
sitting in the sun. I went in the backyard and cleaned up all the trash that's just randomly about around our backyard from the children. And I just had this thought where I was like, what if this work was allowed to mean something to me too? What if this work, like what if I accepted that this is also work and life and it's not just the work that gets me the affirmation and the clout and the feedback because nobody's telling me I'm changing their life when I pick up the trash in the backyard except me (laughs) that's true (laughs) thank you thank you thank you (laughs) but it's not as flashy as speaking to a room of 5,000 people and having them come up to me afterwards and cry Ooh, I love that, right? And I was saying to Eric, I'm like, I'm over here thinking, you know, I don't know this and I don't know that. And I'm like, no, I just kind of miss having a lot of clout. Like I do, I do. And it's, I, I only, I'm like, okay, okay. I accept that I miss it. Why do I miss it? Because it actually comes with a very expensive price tag. It, it comes with a very high price tag, that kind of clout notoriety that I've had. And I'm like, I think because it makes me feel valued and special. And the good news is I'm already awesome. I'm already valued and special. And now I get to feel it in ways that don't have such a high price tag. Yeah. And that acceptance has been a huge, it's just been a huge thing. So how do you enjoy life even when you're unfulfilled with your work, when the bills are piling up? We were just listening to the song Golden Them Hills. There's Golden, yeah, by Ron Sexsmith. Yeah, and there's this beautiful line. It's like, even when the bills are piling. Even even when Lady Lunka ain't smiling. Yeah, there's gold in them hills. Ah, That's just such like a beautiful thought, that acceptance. Acceptance leads to enjoyment, and enjoyment leads to enthusiasm. And he says, nothing great has ever been achieved with that enthusiasm. Enthusiasm means like being yoked with a god, like having that energy, having that creative flow. So the moral is... You can enjoy life regardless of your work situation. Even if you feel unfulfilled, right? Like that's that's the point of this series. And I love the conversation, hopefully bringing you to a place of if you're feeling unfulfilled, if you're feeling a lack of enjoyment or enthusiasm, you know what? This is really great because it peels back. You're like, I want enthusiasm. Okay, I can't. That feels too far away. I want enjoyment. Okay, that feels too out of reach. What about acceptance? In my book, You're Already Awesome, have I mentioned it? You should get it. It's really good. There is a practice that I teach. I've taught it to you here on the podcast before, and I call it the TAP practice. And it's an acronym. T is for tune in. A is for accept. And P is for pick your focus. So I'm going to just give that to you as a way to put that idea of acceptance into practice because if enthusiasm and enjoyment, those are great. But before we get there, that place of acceptance is key. So you tune in, you listen, you notice, huh, I actually uh, felt really good doing that live. I actually felt really good having that conversation. I just feel kind of like it's not as big a splash as I want or, you know, what, whatever, whatever it is that makes me feel the way that I feel or the way that you feel. Like, and accept, okay, that's interesting. I feel that way. That's interesting. That's cool. Good for me. Whatever. It doesn't mean anything about me. It just is. Pick my focus. Moving forward, I'm very, very interested in... 
What am I interested in moving forward? Well, you said you wanted to teach. You just love teaching. Yeah, I do. But but yeah, and and moving forward. Oh, the thing about teaching that is so fulfilling is when you get out of the way of the message. Yeah. When you get out of the way of the principles, when it's not about me, Allison, being so great, <laughs> which I'm delightful, but it's about the information that's coming to you in a way that really like impacts your life for the better. That's the fulfillment. But it's not the only place to find fulfillment. Right. There's fulfillment in doing the dishes. There's fulfillment in scratching the cat. There's fulfillment in getting the kids on time. There's fulfillment in doing nothing. Yeah. There's fulfillment in doing nothing. You can have enthusiasm doing nothing. It's beautiful. It is. Hey, and speaking of enthusiasm, one more huge thank you to Richie Norton for just blessing us with that insight, showing up with his enthusiasm, which is such a beautiful gift. And speaking of enthusiasm... Do we have any new reviews? We do. This one's so this one's so awesome. It's from Lindsay. She says, I've always loved Allison and Eric too. <laughs> this recent episode really spoke to me. I've had a lot of health difficulties throughout my life. <clears throat> but it took my leg breaking in three spots last summer to finally get oh, diagnosed baby girl. with an ultra rare genetic metabolic disease. The thing is, it's genetic and I was born with it and I've spent my entire life undiagnosed. It takes traveling across the country to work with the international expert on this disease. I can't even say it. I'll try. Hypophospastia at Vanderbilt because the top endocrinologists in most states have had very few to no patients with this disease before. Mm. I just got back from an appointment and I'm going to restart the incredibly painful treatment for this disease. But my doctor, but my doctor isn't sure it will work for me this time. I felt very discouraged yet hopeful and I wasn't fully feeling my feelings. And when Eric's song came on, I finally let myself have a good cry. Thank you for the inspiration. Was it Lizzie? Lindsay. Lindsay. Okay. Lindsay, I'm crying. If you will please <laughs> shoot us an email at awesomewithallison at theallisonshow.com. That's Allison with one L. We would love to send you my gratitude journal as a thank you. And also just want to say, Lindsay... Good job being a warrior, advocating for yourself and taking care of yourself. And I'm so sorry for your pain. Thank you so much for sharing your experience because I know you're going to really speak to a lot of people who are going through something similar and feel really isolated and alone. So we appreciate you so much for sharing that. Thank you guys for for listening. Thank you for being a part of the awesome empire. Thank you for taking care of yourself and building your capacity because what a beautiful, awesome world it is and can be as we do that, as we take care of ourselves and build our capacity. So you're doing great. You're really attractive. Everybody loves you. And even if everybody's mad at you, you still know you're already awesome. That's huge. And only you can be you. And you're already as awesome as you need to be. Eric, do you have a, a tune to help us feel our feelings? Um, sure. <laughs> this is, so I, I mentioned last week. You mock me. I you mentioned, mock hey, me. this, this definitely has something to do with my feelings as a teenager. Okay. Okay. So I, like I said last week, I have been working on this album called Nostalgia, which I basically made a soundtrack to my childhood, teenage, young teenage years. Right. So brave of you to do. I know. It's I feel actually, like it's actually so fun. It was like the best. It's like that's that's the thing is I've been feeling unfulfilled. I went and just made art for the sake of art, and this came out, and it's been 
So awesome. Anyway, this song is called, it's called To All My Crushes from Hidden Oaks. Hidden Oaks was this neighborhood. <laughs> For some reason, I had all these crushes on these girls, different times, you know, but it was like this, this, this neighborhood. So this is that song to, dedicated to my crushes as a young teenager. I'm so glad. 